Since 1931, Financial Executives International has been the leading advocate for the views of corporate financial management. Its more than 10,000 members hold policy-making positions as chief financial officers, chief accounting officers, controllers and treasurers at companies from every major industry. And FEI enhances its members' professional development through peer networking, career management services, conferences, research, and publications. Join FEI today to network with key influencers, understand emerging issues, advocate for corporate finance, and boost your career opportunities. Both individual and corporate membership options are available. Go to www.financialexecutives.org and click on Become a Member, or look for the link in this episode's show notes. Hi, this is Chris Westfall, and this is the FAI Weekly Podcast. With new technologies coming online, it seems almost daily. Finance and accounting leaders have been perpetually frustrated by tech's return on investment and its impact on the seemingly attractable issue of financial errors. But a new report issued by research and consulting firm Gartner says there may be a path for financial leaders successfully adopt and implement new technologies by focusing internally on the concept of technology acceptance. In this episode of the podcast, we speak with Gartner's Mallory Barge-Bullman about increasing technology acceptance in finance suites and creating a peer-driven change champion network. Great. Ms. Bullman, really, thank you for joining us today. Uh, I know uh, there's a lot going on at Gartner and, and you're putting out a ton of research and uh, it's really interesting stuff, especially when it comes to FEI's membership of, of people in industry accounting and, and working in the financial reporting industries. Maybe we could start a little bit about yourself and, and your background. Sure. Um, thanks for having me, Chris. It's it's really a pleasure to be here today. So I'm a senior director at Gartner and I work in our finance practice. And what I do as part of my role is in any given year, I speak with a couple hundred controllers and CFOs about the work they do and look for trends and best practices in the type of um in, in what they've seen in their operations. In the past year, we also did a survey of just under 500 accountants. So those were folks who report directly or indirectly into the corporate controller or the head of accounting. And the goal there was really to understand more about the way they work, more about the outcomes they're seeing and, and what's been effective with them. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the things we want to talk about today was a particular piece of research or, or uh, add on to the research you're working on in terms of the te- technology tools that they're using. So um, could you give a little background on that research and, and what were some of the key findings, especially around I, I noticed there was some discussion around um, how tools are tied to errors and um, maybe you can give a little background on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, whenever we start uh, a research project, we start it with just a frustration or or a problem that, that folks are having. And what we were hearing a lot from corporate controllers was just that their teams and they were were totally underwater. They were mm. frustrated. They were at capacity. You know, they're trying to do so many things and, and the demands on them and their team's time only 
has been going up. Um, and they were they were looking for a better way to do things. Um, a lot of these folks were digitizing and were also frustrated because even as they were digitizing and they knew their staff had too much work to do, um, folks were still double and triple checking the results even after it was it was useful to them. And mm. so really wanted to to get to the bottom of this to understand what what was happening and in companies where they had sort of gotten to the other side of this problem, what it really looked like. And what were some of the, the initial findings you found in terms of that? What were what, what did the survey say? Yeah, so so we found a couple things. Um, the first finding I would call the what people suspect is true is true. Um, you know, <laughs> yes, in fact, a lot of staff in accounting are, are overworked. And when they're overworked, again, not surprisingly, people are making more errors. Um, you know, and it, it's important to note these errors aren't necessarily showing up as um, material weaknesses or significant deficiencies. And only because folks are scrambling to tr- get everything right before the documents mm-hmm. go out. So, you know, the bottom line is, is so many accounting teams are just caught in this vicious cycle. And we know that there's a great personal cost to teams. There's great frustration and um, folks want to get to the other side. Uh in a perfect world, uh, we could hire our way out of this. We could triple right. the size of the accounting function. But but you and I both know that that's not happening right now. Yeah. Um, you know, accounting teams aren't able to grow. And even if they were, folks are having a really hard time finding talent. So the clearest way out of this is through digitization. And mm-hmm. um, but and as you know, so many teams that are digitizing aren't seeing benefits. Um, but what we did find, which was really, really interesting, is about a quarter of the companies were having really positive results when it comes to digitization. And so what what we did is we looked at, well, what are what are those companies doing differently? Like what what have they solved for? Mm-hmm. And what we found, which um makes a lot of sense when you think about it is that, you know, those companies that were seeing a decrease in errors, they were seeing vastly better capacity as they were digitizing. um, They recognized that it was better to have less technology with a workforce that accepts the technology than to have the cutting edge of technology and resistant employees. Um, So in other words, you can't just digitize and push it forward without thinking about how your staff is going to use it. It's it's all about the people. And, Mm. um, you know, to back this up with some data, you know, we we created a model in our in our survey to test this concept of technology acceptance. And and so the what, what I mean by technology acceptance is staff's belief that the technology is useful and easy to use. And and we measured it with four questions. One, um, the technology is easy to use. Two, the technology is easy to learn. Three, the technology is easy for me to customize to my own needs. So that's user configuration, not the whole ERP. um, And then the last one is the technology I have available to me has all the information I need in one view. So I'm not toggling between different screens. When companies, you know, when the accountants at a company answered yes to those four questions, they saw a 75% decrease in errors. Hmm. 
And the flip is true too, that when companies didn't have those four components and an accountant said, yeah, no, the technology I have is, isn't easy for me to use. Um, they saw a 61% increase in errors. So we found that, that this idea of technology acceptance really fundamentally matters. Yeah, I wanted to follow up on that because that's really interesting. I said, I, I think essentially I want to understand is what is the hurdle to acceptance? And is that a generational thing? Because um, I know, you know, you can say generationally uh, within accounting and finance, Microsoft, Microsoft Excel is accepted, right? There's acceptance of that technology. Um, it, so I guess the question is, is, is this a technology problem to fix or is this a generational problem to fix? You know, it's a really good question. And we tested for that because that was our first assumption is, you know, mm -hmm. maybe this is just a generational issue. But we right. actually found that that wasn't the case at all, that this holds up even when controlling for size of company, organizational distribution, age, geography, everything. Um, hmm. It is really about a couple critical things. Um, and, and as you say, there are obstacles to getting there. Um, first of all, you need to make sure that the technology itself is useful and easy to use, that, that right. there are genuine deficiencies that we have to make sure our technology doesn't have. Um, for instance, if staff can't access the information they need through the technology, um, you know, if they have to do additional manual work to bring technology, you know, bring data into their ERP. Um, if key technological systems aren't integrated with one another, again, you're going to see a huge increase in errors. Uh, if users can't configure technology to do basic things like um, the core calculations they need, the currency conversions they need, that's going to fundamentally affect their technology acceptance. Yeah. Um, but it can't stop there. You need to get into the implications for their work. Um, we need to make it clear to staff that technology isn't nice to have. It's a it's a need to have. Mm -hmm. um, but we also need to be really clear with folks. You know, folks are, are really smart and they've been reading about how technology can fundamentally change accounting work. So controllers really benefit from having thought through what does this mean for the career paths for the folks on their team? Because right. a lot of folks are going to be resistant if they feel like this is their way out of a job. Um, in fact, right, um, right. most companies that have digitized, it doesn't mean a reduction of the staff. It actually means more interesting work for staff. Um, but we actually really need to have that conversation in order to, to get that acceptance. Um, the third piece is, is recognizing that, that staff are in different places. You know, some folks are going to be super enthusiastic and you really just need to, to ride that enthusiasm. But you're also going to have folks who are more reticent or even just, you know, busy doing their day to day job. Right. You have to to meet staff where they are um, and not assume that the training is kind of the peanut butter you spread across everything. Mm -hmm. And and then the last or the you know, the fourth piece here is. We have to recognize that this is a, a long-term journey and um, things are going to go wrong. Um, that was the, the other really interesting part is a lot of us 
are used to sort of the communication principle of like clear, consistent, positive communication. And what we found is sometimes that that can actually erode acceptance over time, that if staff start to see that things are broken, Mm -hmm. um, they want to know that somebody else sees it too and that they're fixing it. Um, We found a, a couple of companies that really were very public about error resolution with the technology and and making sure that folks have transparency into the continuous improvement plan, which, which makes a big difference. Yeah. I have a bunch of questions based on that. Um, One of the things, sorry, that we're really following is the the accounting pipeline. And, Mm -hmm. and, And in that conversation, it's not only about, people coming in from, you know, graduating from school and coming into the industry, but the retention issue. And um, so your, your sort of your description you're giving of, you know, frustrations with technology and um, people moving on from accounting and finance because they, they is, is, is there a direct correlation between that um, of, of, retention and the tools, the technology tools available to them? Because if I understand it correctly, I mean, not every part of the enterprise has this issue, right? There are frustrations, you know, there's certainly there's technology frustrations, but certainly a lot of people in sales in in other forms of business operations, of the business are, are very happy with the, the tools that they have. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and we've seen that it's it's not a monolithic picture, right? So you have some folks who come into accounting teams and they really want to have access to to cutting edge technology. It's part mm. of their development plan. And then others who, you know, really want to come in and in a much more you know, traditional accounting role. Um, What we found really makes a difference here is making sure staff can be successful in their role. And, um, you know, the idea of a change champion is is not new. Um, But what one company did that really made a difference for folks' own sense that that they could be successful is um, making sure they appointed change champion to were well-established in the organization. They, you know, sort of knew where the bones were buried. They knew how to get things done. And what those folks were able to do is make sure that when they were, when the company was introducing technology, that they were taking that extra step to translate to folks, here's what it means for you. And here's how you can be successful in your role. And Mm -hmm. um, that sense of, personal ability to succeed, that ability to see how the work you're doing contributes to the organization, it can really make a, a fundamental difference. Um, we've also seen instances where companies are getting really smart about the the fundamental role that accounting insights can play to the rest of the business. You know, we all saw with COVID that cash liquidity became king. You know, everybody wanted to know how is money flowing in and out of the business. There is nobody who has better insights into that than accountants. And so when folks are not stuck 
doing the manual work and their leadership takes the time to think through how can we as a team provide really actionable accounting insights to the rest of the business that can be tremendously engaging for folks and um, can create really positive um, employee engagement experiences. And, And the third piece I would say is, you know, we know a huge issue on the retention front is burnout. And when folks are working you know, 12, 14 hour days, that kind of thing. Um, There is nothing more frustrating than when you're doing work that you feel like is low value work to the business that can be automated. So what we're talking about with technology acceptance is how can we actually create technological systems that are useful and easy for folks to use so they can make the biggest impact in the work they're doing during their workday, and and they can see that at those outcomes, they can see the positive change for the business, and uh, you know their their workload can be sustainable. One thing I want to dive in a little bit uh, that you mentioned that sort of resonated with me because it's certainly something that uh, you know would be applicable to our members is the concept of a change champion. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean practically within a financial organization? Sure. So, um, you know, we know that peers are far more influential on individuals than leadership, um, you know, and and folks are going to be a lot more trusting of the individuals around them. It's a really common practice to find folks who are enthusiastic about technology to, you know, guide others to help them use the technology to to make it more accepting. Um, but again, th- this company, what they, they took that extra step to make sure that the change champions, those individuals that they were holding up in that role, understood all the ways of working. These are folks who had some established tenure in the company. They were probably well-respected for the ways they did things. They mm. did those workarounds. Um, you know, one of the things that we've, seen with widespread digitization is when folks are doing too many workarounds outside of the system, that is creating opportunities for errors. And so these change champions are really focused on making sure that the digitization is taking into account all of the different ways of working and making sure that things are you know, useful and easy to to use. Um, the other thing that we saw, and, and I would put this a bit in the change champion category, um, is, you know, when companies are making technology purchases, there's also an opportunity to, to get that staff input. One company right. looked at, uh, actually added a step. So when vendors were competing for their business, they had an individual from each location come and participate in one of the sessions with the vendors. And those folks were asked, you know, again, those those four questions about, would this technology be easy for you to use? Um, mm. Would it be easy for you to learn? Does it allow you to do your job? Because the truth is, you know, if, if any of us are in a headquarters function, we don't have visibility into all of the unique ways of working in, in a distributed workforce. And so what this company did is, you know, really made sure on the front end, they got that staff input. And, you know, and they found out things like, you know, maybe the technology doesn't allow 
for that tax calculation or or right. maybe it just has one thing and and it may be something that can be resolved easily and it may not be um but it's better to know one on the front end so these change shapers as you mentioned are not necessarily senior leaders they're, they're peers who sort of navigate the the system exactly exactly and and they have a couple qualities one is that they they know how the work is done um they've probably right been in a, you know, a hands-on keyboards kind of role in the organization. And they probably have a good internal network within the company. They, you know, have their ear to the ground. They're, they're talking with folks. They understand how staff are, are expected to use things and what their experiences are. Um, one other question, which always, uh, you know, I, I hate to be reductive, but that's where my headspace goes when, when there's a, there's just a problem. Um, and that is like assigning blame in mm-hmm. a sense, but, but, um, and so I wanted to ask, where are the vendors in this process? What is their responsibility? Uh, because it sounds like a lot of, there's a disparate systems using different technologies. Um, you know, so I, I guess what's the vendor responsibility in this ecosystem? So, you know, I don't know if it's as much as blame as just making sure we're having the right conversations. Um, mm. You know, that it's it's really easy in technology purchases to get intimidated and making sure that, you know, accounting is in the driver's seat. We understand how we want to use technology. Um, the other thing that, that we've seen, you know, particularly in our days to close the books work, uh, we found that a lot of the software off the shelf is really good. And where you start mm. to get into trouble is when you start to try to customize it too much to the ways of working. And so, you know, what we really encourage folks who are trying to reduce their days to close the books and in the process of purchasing an ERP is really try to understand what the -the off-the-shelf software looks like. Um, It's probably reflective of best practice. You know, some of these, these large ERP providers have designed it to mirror best-in-class closed processes. It also allows folks to take advantage of cloud-based updates and, and the like. So, you know, while you want to understand how your staff are working and their genuine needs, we don't want to become too married to our specific process, you know, right. that, that there may be better ways to do it that the vendors can teach us. And so making sure we're having those conversations, having those lines of communication and, and again, involving those sort of hands on keyboard staff who will have the perspective of is this going to work for me um, makes a makes a real difference. So along those lines of new technologies, and this is sort of my my wrap up question, sort of a forward looking one. Um, and being from Gartner, you're the perfect person, hype cycle and all that, um, AI, AI and finance and accounting. It's something that we're looking at. We're actually doing a, a event in a couple of months on this. Um, what, what, where, where do you see AI having, um, uh, a role in this and, and, um, you know, there's, a lot of discussion among uh, people, you know, and as I'm sure you know, there's, you know, people in finance have been inundated with new technologies, whether that was, you know, 10 years ago, it was the move to cloud, then it was RPA, and then it was uh, blockchain. 
and now it's artificial intelligence. So uh, I guess my question is, um, where does this AI sit? Is this different from other um, new initiatives in technology and finance? Yeah, no, I think, you know, look, there's huge potential with AI, um, mostly because it's smart. You know, when we were just focused on automating with bots, there was so much time and energy that was going into, you know, managing the bots and, and making sure the bots were were able to be functional. And an AI with its ability to learn has a fundamental opportunity here. You know, one of the things we say is, you know, AI isn't going to replace people in finance, but people who are open to AI will replace those who are not open to AI. Mm. That really understanding the capabilities here are are huge. It's emerging as an area and uh, the transformative opportunity in accounting is, is really tremendous. I think, you know, much like you and I said earlier in the conversation, the business really needs accounting insights. There right. is incredibly valuable information accounting has access to, you know, what customers are buying, how much products cost. Uh, that information comes through accounting first and foremost. And so when we're able to have faster information, have more reliable information, have more granular information, right. uh, the difference is going to be transformative for the business. Great. Those are my questions. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks very much. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much, Chris.